Welcome to the Picky Girl Travels podcast, the show for Black women who want more out of life and to live it as they see fit. The message here is all about defying convention, embracing adventure, and regretting absolutely nothing. I'm your host, Adelia Borashade of the blog PickyGirlTravelsTheWorld.com. And I'm very excited about my guest today, Miss Katrina Hoskin, who I have wanted to be a guest on this podcast for a very long time. And she was so gracious and so kind as to agree to come talk with me today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And as you know, I'm nervous, but I'm glad to be here. Ah, that's that's perfect. I'm always nervous. Um, I think I mentioned to you before, I, I'm, I'm not brave. Uh, you know, there's a brave, stupid, I don't know which side of that line I'm on. So I just do the stuff, whether it can, it feels completely good or not. Now, um, I love to feature black women on the podcast who I feel like are out there living their lives on their terms. And I have mentioned to you, that's why I wanted to talk to you. And in the little intro, I mentioned, you know, this show is all about defying convention, embracing adventure, and living life with no regrets. And I really think, or at least me being an outsider, you know, witnessing what you share of your life online, that you are doing that. Um, I, I did a little Googling and discovered or reminded myself that you are originally from Mississippi. I am. And I am. now you are living in Bangkok, Thailand. So like that... <laughs> That is a world away, a world of difference. And to me, now tell me if I'm wrong, because I am, I'm from Texas. Mississippi is actually one of my least favorite American states. I'm not a fan of Mississippi at all. So yeah. in my head, and I know I carry yeah. a whole lot of bias, in yeah. my head, the life that you are currently living, the life that really you've been living for the last 20 years, is not typical of somebody from Mississippi, is it? Mm. I think that is probably accurate, but I would say that requires someone to come into your life and show you something different from what you are accustomed to. So what happened with me, I went to college, got a job a few months out of college, and then I had an opportunity to go work in Washington, D.C. So that got me out of Mississippi. It was the first time I lived outside of Mississippi. I was 25. And my experience, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh, I am not meant for Mississippi. I'm supposed to live in a city. But there was not really an opportunity available. So I went back to Mississippi, back to my, back to my job. Then fast forward two years, a woman who I had been put in contact with through my sister, I mean, you know how it is, it's all about who you know. Um, and I had an opportunity to 
go to, to move to New York. So within a six week period, I moved from Tupelo, Mississippi to New York City. And the rest well, I mean, come on. Uh, I've, yeah. I've not been to Tupelo. I've been to some little town in Mississippi. I've not been to Tupelo, but come on. It's not New York City. Uh, no. Now, you said it takes somebody showing you that there is more. And I, I don't want to skip over that because I think there may be some folks out there who think like, oh, I I live in this little podunk town, you know, like this is all my life is going to be because this is all life has ever been for everybody I know. Uh, Who was that person or that kind of, you know, got your eyes open when you went to D.C.? Before I went to D.C., I had never even traveled. I mean, I... I think 2002 was the first time I even left the country and that was to go to, to Canada. I went to Montreal. But the experience going to DC, I mean, maybe I'm replacing an experience, a person with an experience, but it requires some disruption of some type because many or maybe, maybe most of my high school friends or my um, junior high elementary friends they still live in the county that yeah. I that I grew I grew up in, and when I think of myself, I I do think, wow, that that could have been me. I used to joke that were it not for going to uh, Washington for that summer, I would have married Terry from the Cooper Tire Plant in Tupelo. Now Terry is not a real person; it's <laughs> a, con- a concept. And I'm not knocking my classmates or anything, but I, I just believe that would have been true if it had not been for this experience that showed me, oh, you, it doesn't have to be, you get out of school, you get the first best job, and then you work the job until you retire. So I have the newspaper that I used to work for to, to thank for the opportunity to show me that there's a, a, a city girl inside this country girl. I am from a town with a population of 2000. Wow. Yeah. But I think that's fascinating. Like, because had it not been for that new opportunity, you may never have discovered that you are a city girl uh, <laughs> who went on to live in New York City and travel the world. And so, you know, it's this is why I'm like embrace adventure, do do the new thing, even if it doesn't seem like something great is going to come out of it. Just the fact that you try this new thing, you never know where that's going to lead, what that's going to help you discover, you know, about yourself, about like how you want to do life, any of that. Um, Now, I know you have two sisters. I do. And are they still in Mississippi? No. So my (laughs) nuclear family is all in Houston or rather in the suburbs of of Missouri City. Okay, I know where that is. Definitely. I used to live in Richmond and in Katy. Yes, I I am familiar. So um, a big part of my mother's side of 
my mother's side is in, is in Houston. So I have been going to Houston my whole life. My oldest sister went to Houston right out of college. So she's been there more than 30 years. And my younger sister went there. Um, she's been there the longest. She's lived in a couple different places, but mostly she's, she's been in Houston. And 2015, my mother moved, finally moved from, Houston, from uh, Mississippi, from my hometown, my tiny hometown to, to Houston. So I'm not going to knock Mississippi, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, no, and, like, I, because I grew up in the South Park side of Houston. So I've kind of always been an urban girl my whole life. I went to University of Houston. Uh, but when I would drive and I'd see those little towns off the freeway, off the highway, and I was like, how do you, how do you live out here? Like, how do you, what do you do? Like, I could never wrap my head around small town life. So it's always so fascinating to me, people who leave small towns, because I imagine I would have been that person. I'd had, I'd have been like, there's got to be more than this and gone out and, and done something, seen something. So now Adalia, I don't know if I had any realization as a young adult. All, all I remember was thinking when I was about to graduate high school that I won't have to go to Sunday school anymore because I'm, I'm sort of an adult now and I'm out, I'm out of my parents' house. But it wasn't like I was thinking about uh, going to school abroad or a gap year. Nope. Nobody did that. There was no one in my uh, sphere, whatever. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. And that's that's part of the reason I started to do the podcast is because like you said, like there was nobody in your circle, in your sphere doing those things. So it yeah. never occurred to you. Like I, I didn't know, you know, there were people who like just lived abroad. Like there's so many things I didn't know until like, I, I used to tell kids all the time uh, when I taught, like if I would have had Google when I was your age, I'd be ruling the world now, like, because I there was so much stuff I didn't know. So no, I completely get that. Um, yeah. So you ended up moving to New York and you moved to yeah. New York because you got a job at the Wall Street Journal. I mean, I that's, that's pretty freaking impressive. What kind of work did you do? I have, my background is copy editing, and then I transitioned to a combination of copy editing and page design. So the job that I was recruited for, I guess that's the best way I can say it, um, was a, a page makeup job. So electronic page makeup. So basically that is what I did for my entire career. Like I had different titles. I was the page makeup coordinator. I was an assistant news editor. And then I was an art director. So you're living in the big city. You're living in New York. You're working yeah. for the Wall Street Journal. And you, were, you became quite the traveler. Here's what I say to that. I feel I was so late to travel. I took, I took my first... Uh, 
trip by myself in 2006. And just a little bit of back of background, a little bit of a sad story. So my younger sister had a twin and my, my brother uh, died in 2006. You know, awful, terrible, tragic. Um, but it kind of made me think, I need to, you know, I need to go, you don't, you don't know what's gonna happen. So 2006, I went to San Francisco. Um, 2009, I went to Playa del Carmen. And it wasn't until my 40th birthday that I went to Europe. So just 10 years ago was the first time I went to Europe. Oh, but so. it's been a hell of a 10 years, hasn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, I, feel, I'll say, yeah. I say that because I feel like... Uh, there have been some posts you've had where you like share pictures from previous travels. And I'm just like, she's been everywhere. So like that you've done that in the last 10 years. Wow. Um, I think it is. You say you got to travel late. I don't know. It happened when it happened, but I do like the fact that it, 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 it shows that it doesn't matter when you get started. Like, because I, that's another like theme of mine. It is never too late to start living the life that you want. Uh, Cause like the first 40 years of my life were not so hot, but you know, like I'm doing a damn thing now. So, you know, whatevs. Um, I, I think that I have this idea that like to be on your show or to, um, you know, to live life on your terms happens a different way. And I'm, I'm trying to embrace that things worked out pretty good for me. I, I, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome. So I'm working on embracing like, oh, I'm le a legitimate world traveler. And even if I didn't, even if I didn't make it to Paris until I turned 40, yeah, I still, it's still great. It's all good. I, yeah. I, to me, to me, it was uh, a late, I was a late travel, late bloomer in travel terms, but I did okay. I, yeah. But I'm still, I'm still like. Taking ownership of that. I find yeah, yeah. that really interesting because were there lots of folks from Yolo Podunk town in Mississippi <laughs> traveling the world? Not that I am aware of. So it's, I, I just find that fascinating that. It's, you know, we've been conditioned to, to judge, I don't know if success is the word, but our success and where we are and our accomplishments based off of, of, of what? Like, who's to say not getting to Paris until you're 40 is like late? Like, who, who set that rule? Where do, yeah, but, but it's not, measure. but you're yeah. not alone in having that belief. So I, that's always something. And again, I'm about defying convention. So their convention would say like, you, you've not done it up until this point, like, oh, well, you just go off and you live your life. And I'm no. So you, you went to Paris when you were 40, um, I think that something magical happens when a woman turns 40. I will have to agree with that. And I will say perhaps specifically that experience. So I got to Paris 
And it was, I was legit like, what have I been doing my whole life? I had bought an apartment the year before. When I came back to New York, I had the worst buyer's remorse. I was like, I should have kept that money. I could have gone to Paris every six weeks. It was revelatory. Like, I get it. Everyone doesn't love Paris. Some people, I think there's a whole like syndrome where people are disappointed about. That was not my experience. I drank the Kool-Aid. It was mind altering to me. I felt so realized by myself, walking the streets of Paris, walking along the river, going to museums. It, it, it changed my life. And I think that's what uh, jump-started like my travel Jones for real, for real. Like, I think I've just been dabbling before, but after that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta make this happen. Yeah. Can, can you put your finger on why it was so, so life-changing? Like what, I, I don't, if you can't, you can't, but I am curious. Yeah. Can you, can you pinpoint like why you got to Paris and was like, oh my God, how have I been living my life up until this point? I honestly, I, I think it's got to be, there's some sense of, of magic to it. To me, it's beautiful. Like the, the part that everyone, you, that you go to Paris for. It's beautiful. It's, you know, you, you see Eiffel Tower in movies. You see the, the light, you see Notre Dame, you see all these things. And then you can actually be there. I think Perhaps it was like, this is something that people can really do. It's not just something to see in, in movies. And then you go and it was as good as, it was as good as I, it exceeded my expectations. And it just made me want to go back. It made me want to learn French. My French is awful. Uh, but it, it, you know, and some people think that Parisians are snobbish. Doesn't bother me. I live in New York. People. New Yorkers are New Yorkers. They're not me. They're just direct or whatever. Parisians really value the French language. So they want you to speak it and they want, they want you to speak it, but they don't want you to butcher it. But it was all that I could have imagined. And I'm a museum person and a, an art person. So it's art as far as the eye can see and crepes and roast duck and, and, it, it was just exactly how I in, imagined it. And I think sometimes people have a different expectation and uh, I'll, I'll admit, I don't understand people who don't like Paris, but if you love it, you love it and you can't make somebody else no, love it. I get it. Cause uh, my feelings get hurt when people don't love Mexico city. Cause I'm like, how can you not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I get that. And what you were saying, when I lived in Mexico City the first time, my youngest daughter came to visit and we went out to the pyramids. And I had that moment, like when I was in college, I took a lot of Latin American history, not for any particular reason other than I thought U.S. history was boring. So I was like, give me something else. And I'm standing there on top of the pyramid of the moon, having that moment you describe where it's like, 
I read about this. I had no, I, it never crossed my mind that I could literally come here and do this. It just blew my mind. So no, I get that. I get that. How did you, how did you make it through the buyer's remorse? Cause you had bought your apartment. This is the apartment in Brooklyn. Okay, yeah. so you'd bought that apartment the year before, yeah. and we all know real estate in New York is not cheap. Yeah. Uh, and so you come back from Paris, and you're like, oh my gosh. I was sick. I felt physically ill. I had, I had sold a, a townhome in New Jersey where I'd lived, um, I'd lived for, se- for several years. Um, sold that, was very pleased about that, came right back. My dad had died that year, and I just was trying to feel grounded, I guess you could say. And so I'm like, I'm going to live in Brooklyn and bought my apartment, went to Paris, was sick, sick to my stomach for weeks. I don't know what, I don't know how I snapped out of it. Maybe, maybe appreciation, maybe the, the value of the apartment going up or, um, you know, some other things happened that made uh, my, that made the ease of travel better. I met my longtime partner who was big into travel. We traveled really well together. So that was like a, uh, yeah, a year later that um, we got together. So I think that took the edge off. So I was like, my, it's a great apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like a irrational, uh, or maybe not irrational, but I just thought I could have kept all that money. I could have been a real jet setter, but I got over it and it's a great apartment. My, re- my regret resolved. And, um, you know, do you still have it? it? I still have it. And, um, my apartment is one of we'll we'll talk about this, but my apartment is one of those um, is those I one of those items that I haven't sorted out. Like if I want to keep doing what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. there's gonna be some tough questions about my apartment. I have a subtenant in there now and have had a subtenant in there for the majority of the time since I left New York and um, went on this trip. So on this yeah. trip. It's so sweet yeah. that you, you still are calling it a trip. You've, you've been, you've been living in Thailand for two, two years. It will be, I can't, I can't even believe it. It'll be two years at the end of this month. Oh wow! I, I don't, I don't believe it. It seems, I'm not even going to say surreal. It just seems like well, I guess that's what it is. Not, no, it's, not sur- it's surreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how can, how is this life? Okay. And we will, we will come back and, and dig into that a little bit now. Okay. So you went to Paris at 40, but you, you came back to New York. You worked for another eight years. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. in, in 2018, you left the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Um, this is a job you'd had for, what, like 20 years? Um, Nin- uh, more than 19, yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you're comfortable saying this, but why did you leave? 
Um, I think the short, an short answer is I was not a person who was passionate about the news business. Um, and what I did was, and not knocking, just doing a job to get paid, but it was, it was just a job. And um, some things happened that I'm sure everyone experiences if they're at an employer for a long time, well, you know, feeling unappreciated or as if nobody's got your back. Um, so some things happened. Uh, key among them is that the editions that I was working on, the, pro the print product I was working on, I heard third hand that they were gonna cease publishing that. Like I heard it through a friend who read it in another newspaper. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I emailed my boss from Canada to say, is this, is this real? And he was like, yes, you will have a job. And I was like, oh Jesus, this is, this is not good. So that was the beginning of summer of 2017. So from beginning of July until October, it was just constant anxiety about where I was gonna land and the other people who produced these print products that were gonna cease to be. And it was just um, a feeling of nobody was trying to look out for us. And I ended up being reassigned to a department that wasn't, there was nothing for me to do. And I was, since I was a print person and the news business has moved more and more to digital, um, I just felt that there was a target on me. So fast forward, I decided to jump instead of be pushed. And, <laughs> and so um, I have a picture of myself the day I officially declared that I was going to take the, the buyout. Mm -hmm. I look, I look a little crazy. Like, <laughs> did I just, did I just do that? And my last day was, uh, February 1st, 2018. Okay. Now that you, it doesn't sound like you see that as a big deal, but that's a big deal. Okay. You walked away from even, even with, you know, like the changes in the politics and all that, you still walked away from a job. And did you have like a master plan about what to do with your life next? No, and this, this is why I felt crazy for a long time, because maybe you, you had the same type of upbringing where you get a job, you get a good job and you work the job until you, you retire or... Oh, yeah you don't leave a job without a job. Exactly. And that's exactly what um, you did. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that I, I left without any type of safety net. I mean, I had my partner, I had my, my family, the, although my family did not know for, I think maybe I told my little sister, but I didn't tell my mother. It may have been weeks after I, because I'm like my my um, traditional Southern mother. You left a job. I, I you a left good a good job, job without <laughs> yes. another job. Like you're trying to yes. downplay this now, yes. but no, yes. ma'am. 
No, ma'am, this, this was a big deal. And to me, that speaks to you, you took control. You said, this is, I don't, I don't want to live this life where I'm waiting for them to give me the boot. I'm going to take control of in this moment and I'm going to leave on my turn. So that's, that's a boss move. Like you're not owning that, but it is, it is. I will say this. I, it must've been after I left the job, I was walking around, you know, I'm trying to flip it. I'm trying to turn it into fun employment, like not unemployment. I, I chose this. I was walking in the village and I'm not a woo-woo person, but Adalia, I feel like there was like a voice that said something like, you are greater than, than this situation that you are in. And I'm not really about signs or anything, not knocking anybody who is, but that like actually happened. And I was like, yeah, yeah. See, see, <laughs> yes. I, I feel like, you know, like you're, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm proud of you after the fact, cause I didn't know you at the time that you honored your intuition and you were like, it's time for me to get out of here. I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to go. So what did you do after uh, you, after you I left. left? Yeah. Well, I had, I, I, I'm trying to think if I had this trip planned already before I pulled the trigger, I went to Cartagena and then I planned what was the longest trip that I taken by myself, which I'm trying to avoid doing a thing where I like downplay something that I did because I think it's like not as good as someone else. I did a three week trip to Europe by myself. It was sort of my not victory lap, but maybe that's what you call it. It's like you left your job trip. So I went to Paris and Belgium and the Netherlands and Milan and, um, and um, well, we're, we'll get to the, the not, maybe not great part. So part of the planning for me to leave my job was that my partner and I were going to leave for the most spectacular trip the next, the following year. So I leave my job February, 2018. He is going to retire fall, 2018. We pack up our things and we head out. Well, I'm not gonna go all into it because I'm not trying to blow up his spot, but the trip got delayed by an entire year because someone dropped the ball. <clears throat> so there was a lot of soul searching and blame assigning and just generally feeling mad. Um, but there's nothing. I mean, what happened, what had to happen, it, it just had to happen. Um, it was the it was the reasonable thing, but it kind of threw me off track because I felt that this was I had done my part and it was within my it was how, how do I say um it was my plan like we were doing a thing but this was my 
my plan. So now I have got to make it a whole entire year when this buyout, this severance that I got, it was supposed to last X amount. It's not supposed to last that plus a whole nother year. So that was that was rough going. Um, so what ultimately happened was I went on some more trips. Uh, he and I went on a big trip to, um, we went on a month long trip. Maybe it was like, it was like a makeup, uh, like to make up, <laughs> to make up for the trip that we, that we didn't take. Uh, and I traveled a bit in 2019 and then we were sort of focused on planning for the, the, the big trip. Yeah. Now, did you intend to eventually get another job? And intention, yeah, like intention is, it it doesn't have to be like, girl, yeah, I was working on my resume and all that. It could just have been a fleeting thought. I um, figured that I would have to, and I dreaded it. And I'm not even going to try to put on a face like I'm a person who feels confident about just going and getting a, a, you know, a job, a comparable job. I mean, I don't know if it's from my little country background, but I never expected to make six figures. And so where my job confidence was, I'm like, okay, how am I going to live on $12 an hour? Because this is, this is what I'm, what I'm thinking because I am not good at promoting myself. I didn't want to do what I had done for 25 years. So that, I mean, talk about, been in a difficult place like I don't want to do the thing that I have all this experience I I was like nope I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it so yeah you're like if if and when it was time to get a new job it was gonna have to be in something new oh no I I understand that completely yeah uh and I guess it's kind of good I've sort of fallen into this entrepreneurship thing although I'm a reluctant entrepreneur because mm. I don't have the the cutthroat and the drive mm. I'm a horrible capitalist so like eh, but it beats showing up at somebody's job eight to five <laughs> so so I go with it um yeah. so no like that that is a, a, a I would imagine that's a little scary or definitely disconcerting. Like- oh, it was ter- it's, it's terrifying. It, it made me it, it made me sick. And I am a person who worries anyway. Like I am an incessant worrier. Like if one day I stop worrying, I feel like I wouldn't know who I who I was because I worry for for a living. But I will say, um, you know, I had a great partner and you know I was able to when we took this trip and um you know it's it's been good things have I've been very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in now I did go through an extended period where I would be writing my journal like how am I doing this how can this be possible how why it not even maybe like how do I deserve to not work? And so then I would have to write. I would have to give myself a pep talk, like how it's like you put yourself into this position, 
you made good grades, you were a good worker, you had these connections, and it's not like someone just gave you a job. But I still, I still. But do even that if life. they had, but no, that that right there, um, the system we live in in the United States conditions us to believe that our value is tied to our work. It's tied to our productivity and not working. That is reserved for the wealthy, the special, the privileged. So it's a, it's not, it, I, what you experience asking yourself that question, that's, I think a lot of us do that. And it's to be expected given the system you grew up in. And how crazy is it that it's a system that has us questioning whether we deserve to rest? Like that's, that's wild. That is really wild that we are like, if I'm not doing something. I'm um, not producing. I'm yeah. not producing. I'm not, I'm not earning my keep per se. Yeah. Um, but you know, something I say all the time, the universe tends to unfold as it should. Um, I, was, I was a worrier myself. I can't be bothered to worry now which is like revolutionary because I, I can look at it now after a little bit of therapy and see that that's because I, I was raised in a situation where, you know, like uh, not that things weren't stable, but like where I didn't have support, I didn't feel safe. So like if I'm this nine-year-old who has to take care of themselves, I never get to just be a nine-year-old. I'm always constantly thinking about this, that, and that. And that continued into my adulthood. Like mm. everything was on my shoulders. Like, mm. and so um, stepping away from that, like letting, because if you ask Adelia now about worrying, she will tell you that it's, a, it's wasted. That's wasted energy because it doesn't solve anything. But the old Adelia very much felt like if I don't worry about this, the whole world is going to collapse. Like somebody has to pay attention to this. So no, I totally get that. However, like I said, the new Adelia, she's like, oh, the universe tends to unfold it. Like it'll work out. I'm not stressing about it. Like, cause there's only so much energy you have to put toward things. And I choose to put my energy toward like eating tacos and finding gelato, not worrying. I see. I, I got to work on that. I feel like every new year I say that I'm going to worry less. And then I, instead I, I, I worry. Though I have had glimpses of like pure contentment where I'm, and it's like simple things or, you know, going down a little street that I haven't seen before or um, having an amazing meal that costs the equivalent of, of like a dollar and 40, you know, cents or something like that. So I'm, I'm trying to, and I know this is like something I picked up from a meditation practice, you know, just um, gratitude or, or um, what is the word? Relish, relishing things. So I may, I, I'm making progress. I mean, I have a friend who, who believes that I'm more relaxed than I was when we first met. And 
I, I believe that that is that that is true. I do have this worry, this uh, worry line here that I'm mm-hmm. I'm working on. If I could just relax my face more, but I mean, like right now, I feel I feel great. I I no no particular reason, but I feel great. You don't need a reason. That's number mm-hmm. one, and yeah. number two, it is a process. Like there may not be like a finish, like it's, we're all works in progress. It's, it's not like, and I, I'm glad you said that because I think it needs to be pointed out that it takes work. It takes time. It takes like conscious effort to undo a lot of that conditioning that we all have. And it's not like you just flip a switch one day and you're good to go and everybody, you know, you're comfortable. Like it is a process. It, it mm. takes work and, you know, we get a little bit better every day and we give ourselves the grace to do that. That's something I had to learn to do. Mm. Yeah. So you are basically a lady of leisure starting in 2018. Um, and I love that when something comes up, your, your go-to is I'll travel. Like, Hey, I think travel is the answer to everything. So that's awesome. Y'all finally get to take the big grand trip, which Mm -hmm. is, I think about the, on IG, those reels where, ah, I'm, I'm Katrina. I bet you're wondering how I ended up right here. Like, (laughs) this is how you ended up being an accidental expat. Uh, for the last two years, y'all were, when, cause when did the, the big, like round the world trip, when did that start? We left the middle of January of 2020 and we flew to Singapore and that was being, we, we figured uh, neither of us had been to Asia mm-hmm. and we figured let's, let's have a nice soft landing. Let's not start off in you know, Vietnam or something. Yeah, no, Singapore is a nice soft landing. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So I'm curious because in January, 2020, uh, I was already living in China. I was out on Lunar New Year break, trying to squeeze in as many European countries as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, And facing the reality that when I returned to China, I was going to have to go into lockdown. What was your thinking or was, was what was happening in Wuhan? Was that on your mind at all as y'all left? So it was on our minds, but honestly, the most we thought about it was, I guess we're not going to China. we were so So, naive back then (laughs) I had I I had a we had some friends and who we consulted with and talked about our planning um because the at when our trip was first conceived it was going to be a whole lot of Europe and they were like no 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 you got to go to Asia you got to go to China because it's so different it's like, that's why you go, because it's so different from what you're used to. Well, we hear about this, we hear about the coronavirus, and we're like, well, we're not going to go there. So we weren't keen to go. So we're like, okay, strike through China. 
And I had a had a, a friend from, from the journal who lived in Hong Kong. And at the time we were gearing up to go, there were all the protests there. And he's like, no, come, you can still come, you can still come. But we didn't really have a specific plan for Hong Kong. So the plan was, I think we had planned out from January until August or August or September or something like that. Um, so yeah, the most we thought about it was can't go to China. And we we were try, we were hitting it hard. Like we left Singapore, went to Myanmar, and we had done a lot of soul searching about whether that was morally correct to go. Yeah, that's that's why and, I haven't been because I was like, yeah. mm. yes. I'll say this. Considering what has happened, no, you feel, you you're very, very fortunate, fortunate that y'all yeah. went. Yeah, because I was just thinking like. No telling when anybody's going to Myanmar now. Uh, So, no, I, I too was a little naive back then because I thought, huh, okay, this will be done by June. Like I had a trip planned for my birthday in March to go back to Thailand because I, Mm -hmm. as hot as it is in Thailand, I do like the country. I just can't live there because of the heat. Um, And so I was like, my trip to Thailand is probably going to get canceled. And I was hoping to hit, cause I knew I was leaving China for good in June. So I was like, well, I had hoped that maybe I'd hop over to Japan before I left Asia. And I was like, oh, that's probably going to be out of the question too. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I knew I, I, in my head, the worst this was going to be was China, maybe Korea. Um, I just knew the rest of the world was going to like get their shit together and it would just be kind of localized. I was so, so wrong. <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, for real. So after Myanmar, we went to India for three weeks. No one was really wearing masks. It was, you know, it was, re- it was regular. And I think someone had said like, uh, in, in, Mia, in Myanmar, there were still Chinese tourists, like big groups. Like when you would go to things like, um, to see the procession of monks at this one temple, it was all Chinese tourists and me and my, and my partner. Like that's what, what it felt like. Then we got to India and there's not really, Chinese tourists, um, and you know we traveled hard in India. We're on flights a couple times a week, seeing amazing things. We would flip through the guidebook and say, "Ooh, this looks cool." Book a flight. Then we got tired because India is like India's work. It's <laughs> work. It's work. But Adalia, we were supposed to spend two more weeks in India, which would have had us in India the second week of March. The universe tends to unfold as it should because I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm not you, but I'm just thinking, I know what happens next in this story. So yeah. for that to have happened in India, I'm thinking 
no, ma'am. <laughs> so we were in agreement. We were like, let's not, let's just can't, let's strike through those two weeks and we'll head to Bangkok and just, you know, chill. Arrived in Bangkok, saw, you know, all the stuff, the typical things you see in, in the city. Then the plan was to do some island hopping. And then we were going to head to Laos. I think uh, my partner almost booked, it was going to be a slow boat from some point north in Thailand to Laos. And then you were reading the news and reading the news. And we were like, huh, maybe we should chill on the travel for a minute. Because the pandemic had been declared the day before we arrived on a Thai island. So I was like, shoot, that sucks. Because I was really liking this jet jamming around. (laughs) I laugh (laughs) because this is hilarious. Knowing what we know now, this is hilarious. And um, so that was March 12th. The pandemic was declared. I think it was March 11th. I think that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. And um, from there, it was a precipitous drop in, in uh, like hope. And, <laughs> and I went from, I am the luckiest native Mississippian ever to be sitting in this, you know, very cool, you know, resort with the open air translation, outdoor bathroom to how did this happen to me? Because <laughs> how long did y'all, I, I want to say it's the number in my head. I don't know if it's right. 72 days. We were on that island for 72 days. So, and 72 days minus about three weeks in a hotel room and we had never lived together. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> uh, so all the thoughts going through your head, I had them. I can imagine. I think, yeah, I, it's divine intervention that my partner lived, I think, because I think if thoughts could kill someone, Wow. Wow. So, I mean, okay. Now, and I'm sure y'all, you were going to go to Laos. You're probably going to Vietnam. Like y'all were, this was like. All the, all the places. All the places. Literally all the, all the places. Yeah. But instead. Instead. Two two years later, you're still in Thailand, which, you know, it's on the one hand, it's kind of interesting slash funny because I know this, there's no way in your head you imagined this is where you would be now. Not in a million, million years would I have thought this would be my situation. I spoke to a good friend of mine. This was sometime last year. And she was, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit 
But she was like, Katrina, I never would have thought that you would have been the person to stay in Thailand. And, and I know what she meant. She meant it in a, it was a little bit of a, like, it just, no. I'm like, uh, sort of a chicken baby, a little scared. I like, you know, things to work properly and, and, and expect and have a reasonable expectation. And, um, but yeah. We, you know, it start it, it started with we're gonna ride this out. Now, of course, when I was on that island, you know, feeling sorry for myself, then feeling sorry for feeling sorry. Um I was like, this isn't bad. This isn't isn't bad. The beach is right there, it's beautiful. <laughs> But then when I got off that island, um, I thought I never want to see a sunset over. <laughs> I never wanted, I want to see another tropical sunset. You could have, you could have all the islands. But I still felt really fortunate because March, April, the city that I reside in, it was like a hell. New York City. And so how could I not think, well. I'm not in New York. I'm not, it's not like winter, you know, going in this cold weather. It's, you know, summertime every yeah. day here. You're on, but you're it was on a Thai beach. Yeah. But uh, beach vacation is not really my thing. I so feel you on that. I I'm feel you on that. Like, I'm good for six days. And then I'm like, where's the museum? Or where, where's the nice urban walk or whatever. But we were still in, we're gonna ride this out mode. And that just is like, wait, I, I honestly, even now have not fully processed that we're entering the third year of a global pandemic of a magnitude we have not, not seen before. No, it, it's or as I like to refer to it, the third year of the apocalypse. I mm. was really betting on a, I thought the apocalypse would be fast. I thought it would be like in the movies where whatever it was spread like this and next day, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah. it'd be a matter of month. I, yeah. I had not prepared myself for this slow decline. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, third year of this. And I am not a beach person either. Like I, I will go and read my Kindle and look at the ocean, but I don't want to be in the ocean. I don't want to be on the sand. Like it's fine to look at, but I don't want to touch it. So I imagine myself in your place. And on the one, I, I, I can imagine you ping pong back and forth a lot. Like there are worse places I could be than this luxurious Thai beach <laughs> resort. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm being eaten alive by mosquitoes and I'm looking at the stupid beach again. <laughs> and the, the, the pull to be, well, I should be grateful, but I hate it here. Like I can imagine, I can only imagine what that does to you mentally. And like you said, it's something you need to process. I posted very 
cautiously or with a lot of hesitation because I felt like I need to talk to somebody about this because my partner was having, it's like he was having an entirely different experience. He was properly retired. He had only been uh, December, January, February, March, four, less, about four months retired. He's sea kayaking. He's still playing. He's playing tennis with the manager of the resort. He's swimming every day, sitting on the beach, impervious to mosquitoes, reading his Kindle. And I'm like, how can I get off this island by myself and be, and be, by, myself, be by myself? Oh, I didn't even think about that because you are an introvert like me. And now y'all are together all of the time. Oh my gosh. Sucking all of my energy. Oh my, my gosh. I know. Oh my gosh. Girl, you survived. I, I survived. I would write about it in jest, but I would be like, y'all need to pray for this man. <laughs> I know this isn't part of your plan, but you're an expat now still living in Thailand um, in a, in a situation no one could have foresaw. Uh, definitely not yourself. This is not it. Cause a, a lot of the people I talk to have a desire to live abroad, but mm-hmm. you know, like you had your apartment in, or you yeah. have your apartment in New York and like, this was supposed to be a vacation not a lifestyle change. As far as I had ever thought about being an expat, it was just like an an idea. Like, I love New York. It's the greatest city in the world. The only way I would ever leave New York would be if I could live proper in London or Paris or Rome or something like that. So like, you know, a city. So if I could just take the stuff that I love in New York and transfer to someone and live the same way. Never would I have thought I would choose Thailand. Like when I first came, we first came back to Bangkok, I, it sort of restarted my misery cycle because it's so hot and humid. Their sidewalks, the it's like I call every day there's like a casual danger here like you gotta walk you gotta share the street with the motorbikes if you've ever tried to cross a street in Bangkok (laughs) I I would tell anyone who's coming those crosswalks they're not for you they're not for you they're just not for you and I just I was hating it so much because I like to walk but it was so miserably hot and then if you do walk it's miserable walking because there's no sidewalk. I honestly don't know what happened. Maybe it was the price of massages kind of count was a counterbalance. You're, you, you might not be wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I, told, I told a friend of mine, if anyone has gotten more massages in Thailand over the past two years, I would like to meet this person. I think I hold a record. That's exactly what I would be doing. I'd be doing that and eating pad thai every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, you mentioned choosing Thailand because yeah. theoretically, now I know at one point the border was closed and leaving yeah. was not an option, but theoretically, yeah. if you felt so compelled, you could leave to go somewhere, yeah. but you are still in Thailand. Why? Um, I would say chiefly cost of living. Um, I recently, just a um, month ago, moved into an apartment, my first ever apartment, like proper year lease in a foreign country. It's two bedrooms. It's small, but it's comfortable. Wash and dryer. I have a, be a view of the sunset that's not, that's not bad. The cost of food. Um, I mean, it's funny because there are a lot of trade-offs like cultural, culturally, like um, the museums, there aren't museums like New York or any, any uh, Western city, but there's just something about it. It's like crazy, it's broken, but it's kind of sexy in a way. And it's like, things don't make sense but that's even kind of charming in a way to an extent. The people are very nice. There's the, there's the concept of sabai sabai, which is just like chill. It, Thai people do not walk fast ever. I mean, maybe that's because it's so oppressively hot. It makes sense, but it's, it's a challenge for a New Yorker who used to- Who walks with a purpose. But, oh yeah. There's no cat calling. This is, I, I was like, let me write that down. I don't, no matter what I wear, no man is gonna say anything to me in the street. And when you think about that, it's like, that's a big, that's a big deal. Like nobody bothers me ever. There's like maybe a panhandler here and there, but they're not aggressive ever. And it's just, there's something about the chill, the chill vibe. And I would say, and the only other place I've said this about is New York. I feel like here is better to live than to visit. Like my day is, my day is I get up and I, I get up early and get out before, you know, the sun is beating down on me and I take a walk. I like to watch the sun rise. Like, so I get to the park and the sun is rising. Then maybe I'll go to breakfast at my favorite spot where they all greet me when I come in. So I decom. Then I come back home. I shower. I putter. I read the news. I meditate inconsistently. I get a massage. Then I find somewhere to have a nice lunch. I try to hook up with a friend. Maybe I take another walk. And it's just like, I'm not, I'm not saying all New York people do this, but there's a striving uh, element to being a New Yorker. Like you, you gotta go, you gotta, you gotta produce, you gotta, you gotta show how you're, you're standing out. And I just don't feel any of that pressure. Is that like people ask me what I, do, what you do all day? Eh. I, I struggled with that, but 
and I've talked about it before on this show, uh, when people ask me, first of all, that people ask, what do you do? Like, that's one of their first questions. That's to me, a very Western, very North American thing, because who you are, what box I need to put you in is tied to what you do. Um, And I kind of am like, well, I, I dabble, but like, that's, that's not technically a real answer. Um, but I, as you were describing your day, I'm thinking, does she get, she's living life on her terms? Like, do you get that that's what that is? I had not thought of it that way, but I'm, I'm working on it. I mean, now I'm like, oh, okay. Because what we talked about it and I was like, I don't, no, I'm not. I don't even, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so is that, if, if not knowing what you're doing is on my terms, then yeah, but, but um, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Do you, do you think about, cause I know you are also hoping that you will be able to do some traveling in Asia when things stabilize, when and whatever that's going to look like. Exactly, yeah. Do you have thoughts about working in a more traditional (laughs) manner? Not necessarily like a desk job, nine to five, but being less of, I don't know how I want to say it, because I don't want to call you a woman of leisure because that dismisses, that diminishes your life in some way, I feel. And I don't want to do that. But do are there thoughts of like, oh yeah, after I get to see some stuff in Asia, I'll, I'll start figuring out something for work or no? I believe I will, but for good or, good or bad, I'm still in, and you can tell me, you can give me your opinion. Um, I feel like I have to get some traveling. I feel like I'm on pause, like a, a dream deferred kind, yeah. of, kind of situation. So it's like, I got to get to Angkor Wat. I've got to go to Vietnam. Um, I think we, uh, there's a, a travel lady in um, South Korea that you may know, want to get to South Korea and see her go to Japan and then I'd be like, okay, what kind of work? Is there some editing gig I can pick up or, or whatever? But I feel like rightly or wrongly, I'm, I'm like, not, I can't, I can't go back until no. I. In, in my yeah. head, there is no wrong here. You, mm-hmm. I no longer do things I don't want to do. Like I, I, I don't live that life anymore. And what I'm hearing is that your intuition, your instinct, your inner voice is saying, we need to travel Asia. So that's, yeah. that's the plan. That's, that's where you're supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to do. Because if that sounds, if when you think of that, you're like, oh yeah. And the thought of work, you're like, mm, I don't really, f- that, that, there's your answer. You're like, end, end of discussion. Yeah, end of that, discussion, there is your yeah. answer. And I would, I would venture to say any thought of like, I should probably have a job. I should probably be doing something productive. That's kind of a leftover of the conditioning we've all had. Um, 
what that, what that looks like, you know, I, what I like about the life that you are living, what I am continually reminding myself to embrace about the life that I am living now is that it doesn't have to be, I stop traveling and I get a job. It can be, I travel and I do these little things, these little one-off things here. It doesn't have to look like some kind of cohesive career or, you know, like it can be free form. And I feel like there's accepting that there's a lot of freedom in that. Mm. I don't know. Mm. So no, I was just asking because I was curious and because I'm nosy. But what I'm hearing is you're going to be in Asia for a bit. You, 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 you still got some stuff left undone. And exactly. so I'm all about now, you doing that. I got to, I have to go to Houston. I got to go see, I, I don't want to be like excommunicated or whatever. So I have to go see my mother and my sisters and my nieces and my brothers-in-law. My sister got married last year and I wasn't there and I still have some guilt issues about that. Um, but, um, and I had commented on a, on one of your, uh, I think it was a pot. I think it was what's, I can't remember if it was you by yourself or with someone else, but you were talking about like familial obligations or, uh, other people's expectations. And I asked my, one of my sisters, I was like, are y'all, are y'all like mad at me or holding a grudge because I, I haven't come back. And my younger sister was like, I'm not holding a grudge. And I was like, wait, 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 why are you saying like that? Like there's been a conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, whether there's been a conversation or not, I need to go see my mother. My mother will be 82 this year. And my nieces are one turns 15 next week. And I'm like, how did that happen? The young one turns 15 next week. So, and they're, you know, two years and a, a young person is like, now she's taller than her mother. And I do feel like, not that I want to pack up and move to Houston as much as my mother would like, you know, free uh, living help. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to do that but I need to go see them because you, you know, yeah, I love them. I'm in Houston now. Yeah. This is not where I would choose to be, but I'm here fulfilling yeah. my obligations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. You love your family. And uh, so I need to do that. I'm not sure when that will happen. I'm thinking in by the next quarter, uh, I, I will go, but yeah, I'm hoping travel will stabilize. And there won't be any surprises because now as big a surprise to me as anyone, I live here. I got stuff here. I got, you know, I need to yeah. be able to come back without someone lives in my apartment in New York. So can't, can't go yeah. there. So yeah, just hoping things level out and I can just, you know, be like, I'm back without a big surprise or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, hoping to get back, get back on course at some point, do all that stuff that uh, got put on the way back burner. Thanks to <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 
everybody I've talked to since the pandemic started, it's, it's very interesting for me to hear how, how their life has changed because of it or how they have like reevaluated things. Um, so hearing your story is really interesting because it's like you had done some of that prior to, and then once the onset began, like there are a lot of people because of the pandemic who make the decision, I gotta go travel. I gotta go visit this place. I gotta go move because they, you know, sitting at home in the US made them reevaluate some things. Mm -hmm. um, but you were already out and about when the pandemic kicked off in full force. Yeah. And so it's very interesting to see how that has kind of altered the direction you were going. I, I'm still sort of stuck on, and I don't want to say, I'm, I, I want to say rightly or wrongly, I'm stuck on, I had a plan and I'm still, I still intend to do that. Like circumstances have changed, uh, the pressure of the pandemic, not unique to my situation, but my partner and I are no longer together. And um, so, that you know uh, requires like a reevaluation of things, and I don't know if I was having who I was having a conversation with, but I was like a little worried that I may have lost my travel mojo, having been grounded for so long. And I asked a friend, like, "Could I go to Tokyo?" And the friend was like, "You've been living in Bangkok. Why do you think you can't handle?" Tokyo. I mean, Bangkok is is a it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little bit great. It's a little janky. Um. So yeah. So I have not been on a plane in since August 2020. Wow. Wow. Um, so I mean, I could go to a Thai island. <laughs> I still got some island PTSD. I I do. So I have been in Bangkok. I eat out. The food scene here is tremendous. Um, so I, you know, my next thing is where can I go outside of the kingdom of Thailand? I think it's, I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of brings me joy that despite all of these things, you're like, I got a plan. This is what like, I don't know. I, is it the determination of it? Is it the, despite these obstacles? I don't know, but I like that. So don't, don't feel any kind of way about embracing your plan and that you haven't like changed that significantly or, you know, like unilaterally embrace that. And I think it was also in that same podcast, you made the comment about, so if things don't go the way you want them and then you go back say you you're you become an expat you're in country x and things are not quite right and then you go you're like i gotta go back to where where i live and like not seeing that as a like a failure of 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 some sort i i don't think i i i wouldn't see it as a failure i just don't want to 
I mean, and, and, and that's valid. And I, I got somebody in there. I mean, somebody needs to be in that apartment. I don't have it such that that apartment can be empty, but I'm like, if that's sorted and I'm still able to do this, I'm just trying to see if I can just hit play again and just keep, keep, keep it moving, come back to Bangkok. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say there's not some cachet or whatever in like, oh, I'm based in Bangkok right now with my, with my great two bedroom apartment, which I could never have in New York. Um, I couldn't have this for three, four times what this apartment costs. But yeah, I want, I want that. You know, people have, have wants. Yeah. And, and it's okay I, to have that want yeah. and, yeah. and you're going to do it. I'm, you're going to do it. Stephanie Perry is always telling me, oh, the pandemic will be over next month. So uh, I'm going to take some of Stephanie's positive. Stephanie said that? Yeah, she was like, because <laughs> we were talking about something. She was like, oh, no, it'll be over by then. It'll be over by then. She can find the positive thing in anything. And I tend to be more of a realist. And I'm not going to say a pessimist. I'm going to say mm-hmm. a realist, like, okay, this is what it is. What am I going to do about it? So you, I'm convinced you are going to get to have that. And I love that you said, I don't want to, and that's okay. Like I, like I told you, I don't do things I don't want to do yeah. anymore. Yeah. So yeah. if I have that thought, like, I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. I'm not going to do it. And I don't, I don't care what other people have to say about it so yeah yeah so yeah i appreciate you giving me some of your time and chatting um this is the part where i ask uh like if people want to connect people want to keep up with you where should they go i'm gonna guess that is your instagram yeah that's cool yeah okay and on instagram you are Brooklyn train at Brooklyn train. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dahlia. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. So I hope y'all enjoyed hearing Katrina's story. I think there are, I'm, there are three things I hope you take away from Katrina's story. First, It is never too late to start living the life that you want. You heard her say it herself. She didn't even, for her, living a life that involves a lot of travel is what she wants to do. And that didn't really even start until after her 40th birthday. So it doesn't matter how old you are. It's not too late to change your life and embrace living it the way that you want. The second thing um, that I hope you take away is that imposter syndrome, feeling unsure, uncertain about what you're doing, how you're doing it, that's normal. We all feel some element of that at some point in our journeys. It's okay. And the third thing is that 
we're all works in progress. It's not like you flip a switch and one day, bam, you got it all figured out. You got your life a hundred percent together. It's, it's, it's a process. It is an ongoing work. Uh, I think sometimes to some of y'all, I might appear like I got all my shit together. I don't. I don't, y'all. I am just, I'm trying to navigate this thing called life just like everybody else. There are some areas that I have, I feel like I have mastered. And then there are others where I am continuing to work and learn. So I don't want anybody to feel like they have got to have this all figured out and they've got to be perfect at it because we don't do perfect around here, y'all. All right. So that was our episode for today. Um, let me know what you think you can, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave a comment there. If you want to send me a message through social media, you can hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you even there is a link in the description that allows you to leave me a voicemail if you'd rather do that and not bother typing that's totally cool as well if there is a topic that you would like to see discussed here on the podcast feel free to send me that as well i love to hear from you guys um, as always i want to thank you for your continued support um, i don't know if i can really communicate how much that matters to me, how much uh, I, I appreciate your continued support. If you have not subscribed to the channel on YouTube, please do. That totally helps me. Uh, if you are listening to this on a podcatcher and you want to leave a review of the podcast, that helps other women find the show. Uh, if you would like to contribute in a financial way, that is totally cool as well. Um, you can buy me a hot chocolate on buymeacoffee.com. Uh, you could become a patron or I don't know. I'm sure, you know, you won't throw money at me. I'll take it, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's appreciated uh, anytime, any way that you want to show your support for the show. Um, until next time.